Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the live morning devotional or daily devotional here at Christ Life Ministries. I just want to switch on all my devices so that I can see who is with us this morning. So I want to speak about uh, who Jesus is and the character of Jesus, who he is and what he came to demonstrate and show so that we can just get a, a refresher in our minds of who we have to do with. Okay, so I think a good place to start would be John chapter 1. And uh, let's read a few scriptures from there. Right, so in John chapter... Oh, wow. Past John 1. Okay, John chapter 1 is such a wonderful... Even if I start every sermon with John chapter 1 every, every day, every Sunday and every day, uh, it would be wonderful. Good morning, Janine. Uh, yeah, it is an awesome morning. I just agree. Hello, Dini. Hello, everybody. It's so awesome to see your names there and your responses. It's so great. So um, wherever you are, if it's cold or, where, or whether it's warm where you are, <laughs> so bless you. I hope you really enjoy this day. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start in John chapter 1. So Jesus is the Word made flesh. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came to existence through him. So the very creator God in flesh is Jesus, the creator God. Okay, verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. So John 5 also says that the Father has given to the Son to have life in himself and he is pleased to give life to whomever he will. So, uh, so that's so wonderful. He is a life giver. So good morning, Trish. It's good to see you there. So, uh, so Jesus is a life giver. Jesus cannot take life. He, didn't, he never came to take anyone. And when God took someone, the, you know, if you, if you read Enoch, about Enoch, you know, the, the whole story, the Bible tells us about him, Enoch walked with God and he was not. So he was translated and he walked over into a higher spiritual realm. Uh, so he pleased God and he, and he, and he walked into it. He didn't die. Moses died. He was, he was uh, in the, uh, on the mountain. I still shop, 120 years old, climbed up the mountain. And uh, God said to him, you will die because of, you know, he hit the rock and he didn't speak to it. And um, he didn't go into the promised land. All right. Under the old covenant. But God is not a taker of life. He's a giver of life. So if you read Romans chapter 5, Verse 12, he says, uh, sin, has, sin entered into the world and death through sin. So through one man, sin entered into the world. That's through Adam. And how did sin come to Adam? Because of the serpent. Revelation calls him the dragon, that old serpent, which is called the devil. So uh, he deceived him by giving him knowledge of good and evil. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that means our seeking of wisdom apart from jesus is death that is the mind of the flesh uh romans 6 verse 5 and 6 those who are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit those who are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh so the mind of the spirit is the tree of life and that's the words 
spoken by Jesus. The words that I've been speaking to you are spirit and they are life. So Jesus is the tree of life. He's the giver of life. John 10, the thief comes only for to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly till it overflows. So God wants to give extravagant, eternal, everlasting life. And uh, he is not the taker of life. Oh, God came to take my sister. No, he didn't. Your sister died and it's tragic. Yes, Jesus has, has that person with him. If they believed. If they believed. If they believed. All right? Because they were already in him and with him, seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ when they lived, when they got born again. So it's not like he comes, you know, he draws your line and it's the end, or he cuts your... your ribbon or he you know the last brick of your house is built and now he comes to take you that's all nonsense fantasies of people's minds trying to make sense of it all he doesn't kill people he's not the author of death he's the author of life and death is not the way to the father jesus is the way and jesus is the way the truth and the life so we need to distinguish certain things what is from god and what is not from god all right. So the character of Jesus, he cannot bring death. He cannot bring sickness. He cannot bring suffering. He doesn't do it. All right. But he's, a, he's a, a savior. He brings salvation. He brings life. He brings forgiveness. And he brings uh, healing. That's his nature. So when you see Jesus walking on the earth as the gospel describes him all the gospels describe him you see his character and he's nothing else than what you see there okay there's no hidden agenda there's nothing he came to reveal the father all right so in him was life and the life was the light of men all right if we just fast forward a little bit and he says he came, verse 11, to that which belonged to him, to his own, his domain, his creation, things, world. And they who were his own did not receive him, did not welcome him. Okay? So they received him not, says the King James. So uh, he is good, but people were so drenched and saturated with evil, with a knowledge of good and evil, that they did not welcome him. That life wasn't welcome. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority, the power, the privilege, the right to become children of God, King James, sons of God. That is, to those who believe on his name. So if you believe, if you welcome him, you receive authority. So Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, that you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. All right, so... A witness is someone who sees something happen and then testifies about it. A witness is not, you don't go witness to someone when you go tell them the gospel. That's not, you, you, you tell them about what you experienced. Then you, then you are testifying to them. When you're witnessing, you're actually you're standing there seeing something happen. But a witness bears testimony. Okay, so sorry for the grammar lesson. Okay. Who owe their birth neither to the bloods nor to the will of the flesh, that of physical impulse. So you're not born of bloods. You're not born of the blood of Jesus. You're washed by the blood of Jesus. You're not in the bloodline of Christ. You're in no bloodline. You're in the spirit line of Christ. It's a spiritual birth. It's a supernatural birth, not a natural birth. 
birth. So those bloodline teachings need to be edited because they didn't read the scripture. We're not born from a bloodline. Neither bloods nor the will of the flesh, that of a physical impulse, nor the will of man, that of a natural father. But to God, they are born of God. And the word became flesh, human incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us. And we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty. Remember uh, Romans 2, 7, those who seek glory and honor and majesty, he will give eternal life. Okay, so we actually saw his glory, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten receives from his father, full of grace and truth. So the grace and truth is equal to honor and glory. All right. So he says, ah, the law was given through Moses, verse 17, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If you want grace and truth, you've got to look uh, away from Moses to the face of Jesus. So that's who he is. That's his nature. That's his character. He cannot change. He is grace and he is truth. And that's what he displayed. Okay. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's the only source of grace and truth. But then people say, oh, but you remember it's grace and truth. Yeah, truth doesn't mean what people think it means. Truth does, doesn't mean that you have to expose every sin of every person and, you know, hang all their dirty washing out in public. That's not truth. Truth is forgiveness. Truth is the nature of Christ. Who, who uh, Truth is love covers a multitude of sin. Truth is f- absolute forgiveness. Truth is the blood of Christ. Truth is dwelling under the protection of the wings of God. Psalm 91. That's truth. Truth is being absolved and cleared and forgiven. Truth is preaching the blood of Christ. Preaching salvation from sin and sickness and death. That's truth. Truth is not exposing, accusing that's the lie. That's the knowledge of good and evil. So <clears throat> grace and truth, same side, the law, but grace and truth. So grace and truth is not something that will accuse you. Grace and truth is not something that will expose you before people. God never wants to embarrass you. God never wants to expose you. God never wants to shame and guilt you. Okay? What he wants to do is cover you with his feathers and protect you and wash you with his blood and give you a robe of righteousness. So just just remember, I'm just speaking because, you know, I'm speaking of who he is. Just think of this. Um, there's the, the parable of the good father, I'd like to call it, uh, the prodigal son. Okay, so here's the son. And this son says to his father, give me what comes to me. So basically, he says to him, you're dead to me. I want your stuff. Okay? So the father gives it. He divided his estate between the two sons. So both got their share. And the son took his share, and he went away to a far country, and he wasted it with loose living. He wasted it in sin. He wasted it, wasted it, wasted it, messed it up. He lost everything among the prostitutes and he ended up between the pigs and a pigsty. And he came to himself and he thought, My father has servants and they have 
food enough to spare. I shall go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned before you, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me a servant so I can just have some food. So his motivation was hunger, not love. But at least he went to the right place. <laughs> so he turned back, went back to his father. And his father was still looking for him, still looking for him, still looking for him. And when he saw him afar off, he dropped everything and he ran. Gentlemen, don't run. The father ran to his messed up, sinful, wasted life boy. And he grabbed him and he kissed him. And then, you know, He's, he came with this little recited thing, Oh, Father, I've sinned before you and I've sinned before God. Uh, make me a servant. As, you know, make me a servant. I'm not worthy to be called your son. The father ignored him completely, ignored the statement. But then he turned to the servants and he said, Go fetch a robe. Go fetch a ring for his finger. Go fetch shoes for his feet. So he restored him back into his position of sonship when he just almost kind of mildly turned to him. Right? My son was dead, but he's alive again. And he just held him and kissed him. So now there's the other son who got his share, but he didn't realize it. So he wasted those same years in servitude Instead of reigning. And that's where a lot of the church is right now. So he was wroth with his brother that got saved. So a lot of the church think, I've been serving God for 20 years. Now this drug addict comes into church and he can now heal the sick. That's unfair. Yeah, well, if you'd spent the last 20 years pursuing uh, healing the sick, you would also have been healing the sick. If, if we understand how far away this slave mentality of religion is from God, we would also turn back and say, oh, Father, forgive us, help us. All right. So that's the thing. We think we're okay. But religion is so much death. It's, it's just as much death as going out and sinning in the world is death. It's the same. So both brothers missed it. So the brother was wroth with his younger brother. And his father went out to plead with him. Isn't that the character of God? Okay, so he went out to plead with him. He said, listen, your brother is dead and he's alive again. He's, the son says, listen, this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother. You wasted your estate among those people. Now you have killed for him that wheat, fattened calf. You never even gave me a little kid to make merry with my friends. He said to him, son, not servant, son, all I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. With other words, why don't you just take one of the things, uh, you know, a goat and make merry with, with your friends. Why don't you just do it? All I have is yours. You've, you've been with me all this time. Okay. A son abides in the house. A servant doesn't abide in the house. So if we understand who we are as sons, even serving God with a wrong mindset, you're outside of it because you're a servant. In now and then, now and then, now and then. But you can abide. A son drapes himself over the couch. A son goes and raids the fridge because everything the father has is his. Okay? A servant 
in does something. Can I? Oh, please, 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 please. Can I? Uh, a little bit and add again. Right? We need to understand who he is so we can understand who we are. We are sons born of God. He has given us birth by his word of truth, says James chapter 1. Right? By his own free will. Right, so he loves us and he wants us to share in the inheritance. Jesus says, Romans 8, Romans 8 says, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Everything that he has is ours. Okay, so let's not be the older son. Let's see who the father really is. Let's see the goodness in his heart and freely receive everything. You, you can't empty him out even if you've messed up before there's much more to spare he can restore you and give you fullness of inheritance again but what will give you that inheritance acts chapter 20 verse 32 says i commend you to god and to the word of his grace grace and truth to the word of his grace uh, which is able to build you up and give you your inheritance among the saints god set apart ones that's who he is he's a restorer that's who he is he's the uh, the testator that wants his heir to inherit. He loves you and he wants to give everything to you. Okay, so uh, verse 8, I wanted actually to start with John 1.18. Let's just get there. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique son or the only begotten God is in the bosom, the intimate presence of the Father. He has declared him, he has revealed him, brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him and he has made him known. So he has declared him, he's if you see Jesus, John 14, you have seen the Father. Okay? So if you gaze in, through the Gospels, you gaze upon Jesus, and you see what he does. See how he is. You see the Father. That's who, he, who the Father is. The Father healed all of them who were there. The Father always forgives. The Father always pardons. He's merciful and kind. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good and his mercy and his loving kindness endures forever. But everyone that was hard-hearted and stiff-naked, they insisted on the wrath. For the strangest thing. I don't understand it. But he's so good and his mercy endures forever. Psalms are full of it. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, and his mercy and his loving kindness endures forever. Psalm 103 says, For as far as the, uh, the east is from the west, so far as he removed our uh, transgressions from us. Okay? The Lord is gracious, compassionate, and slow to anger and rich in love. All right. Who he is. Okay. Uh, I first want to go to Hebrews chapter 10. Sorry, Acts chapter 10. Uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 38 gives us a glimpse of what Jesus came to declare. So he said, let's start in verse 37. This is the message, the gospel of peace. 36, Jesus Christ, Lord of all. Same message which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism preached by John. How God anointed, verse 38, consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength, ability, and power. How he went about doing good, in particular curing all who were oppressed, harassed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. We are here eyewitnesses to everything that he did, both in the land of the, the Jews and in Jerusalem, yet they put him to out of the way by murdering him, hanging him on a tree. But God raised him to life on the third day and caused him to be manifest and plainly seen. 
not to all people, but to us who were chosen beforehand by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So the witnesses overcome by the blood of the lamb and the power of the testimony. So what's the testimony? It's the gospel. Verse 42. And he charged us to preach to the people and to bear solemn testimony that he is the God appointed and God ordained judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets testify that everyone who believes in him, at yesterday's receives forgiveness of sins through his name. All you need to do is believe, bam, forgiven. The forgiveness is already prepared for you, already given. So there's nothing Jesus could say towards sin apart from you are forgiven. Okay? There's nothing Jesus can do towards sickness apart from healing it. That's his response to sin is forgiving it. And that's his response to sickness is to heal it because that's his nature. That's his character. He cannot deny himself. Okay? So while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. So if you hear the testimony and believe it, Holy Ghost. That's just tremendous. That's who he is. They didn't confess anything. They didn't go through the four spiritual laws. They didn't do a covenant members course. They didn't fill in a decision card. I'm not against the decision card. It's a good thing. It's fine. It helps people to get to a point where I made a decision for Christ and it's sealed and done. Okay, it's good. But that's not what gets you saved. Faith is what gets you saved. These guys didn't do anything. They heard. And while he was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on all. We were listening to the message. We listened to the testimony of the witnesses. <laughs> it's so powerful. All right. Who is Jesus? John chapter 8. Jesus. See Jesus' response to sin. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning at dawn, he came back into the temple court, and the people came to him in crowds, sat down, and was teaching them. When the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Now, it takes two to tango, so I wonder, where's the other guy? You know? They made her stand in the middle, maybe even one of them. They made her stand in the middle of the court and put the case before him. Teacher, they said, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such women offenders shall be stoned to death. Okay, so they have a desire to expose her before the people because Jesus was teaching people in the temple court. They have a desire to kill her. They have a desire to shame her. And their motivation had nothing to do with righteousness, but simply to get something with which to to trap Jesus so that they can do the same with him. What do you say to do with her, with your sentence? Verse 6, this they said to try and test him, hoping they might find a charge on which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the ground with his finger. So the word Satan means adversary, it means accuser of the brethren. So the moment we go in accusation mode, we are taking on 
the character and the nature and the nature of Satan. We can't. Jesus said, uh, John 12, uh, Matthew 12, Matthew 9. He said in Matthew 9, if you had only known what this means, sacrifices I have not desired, but I desire mercy, then you would not have condemned the guiltless. Okay, he says in Matthew chapter 12, sacrifice, go and learn what this means. Sacrifices I have not desired, but I desire mercy. Go and learn what this means. And then he starts speaking to the, to the Jews about their words. He says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So it's two different trees. Knowledge of good and evil and tree of life. Make, either make the tree good and sound and its fruit sound or bad, and it's fruit bad. Good tree cannot be bad fruit. Bad tree cannot be good fruit. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then he said to the law people, to the knowledge of good and evil people, he said, because you will have to give account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word you speak. The words of the tree of knowledge of good and evil uh, invites Judgment. Judge not, lest thou be judged. If you give mercy, you will be merciful. So we need to stand at the right tree, eat the right message, and speak the right stuff. Okay? We are not called to judge. Jesus is the judge, and he will judge justly because he's merciful. That's the nature of God. Merciful is a savior. He's not the accuser. He's not the tormentor. That's not who he is. He is the Savior. All right. Rabbit trail. Let's get back to it. Bent down writing on the ground with his finger. I saw this other translation. You know, I'm just mentioning it on the side. He says he, he started writing names and places on the ground with his finger. Now, no other translation says it. So, you know, whatever. We don't know what he said. But he says, they listened to him. Then they began going out, conscience-stricken one by one from the oldest down to the last one of them. Till Jesus was left alone with a woman standing there before him. Okay, wait, I, I missed something. He says, um, however, when they persisted with their question, he raised himself up and said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw, in a, throw a stone at her. Because just not, lest you be judged. So he's the only one qualified to judge. That's why the father appointed him judge. He's sinless. Tempted in every respect as we are yet without sin. Sinless. So he is the only one qualified to judge. Then he bent down went on writing on the ground with his finger. They listened to him. Then they began going out. Conscience stricken. First time in the New Testament the word conscience is mentioned. So the consciences were awakened. They understood that they... If they really look at the law, they, they don't have anything to stand on because they also transgress the law. One by one, from the oldest down to the last one of them. Till Jesus was left alone with a woman standing there before him in the center of the court. So no more accuser. Okay? When Jesus raised himself up, he said to her, Women, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She answered, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. 
So he's the actual judge. And he says, I do not condemn you. So we have a judge. First John 4 says, he's, oh, First John chapter 2 says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus, the righteous, conforms to the will of God in every purpose, thought, and action. Okay, so, and he, he's interceding and pleading for us at the right hand of the Father. So you have an advocate with the Father. So he's your advocate, okay? So he says, but he's also the judge. But he's also the sacrifice. So the judge was the one defending the woman that sinned against the accuser. We need to get this. He's not accusing you. He is the one that acquits you and justifies. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can bring any charge against us? If God is, is for us, who can, who can be our foe? Romans 8, 31, 32, 33. So uh, if he's, he's for us, who can be against us? And if, if he's against you, then it doesn't really matter who's for you. Okay. So against whom is he? James 1, 1 Peter 5 says, He resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble, to those who are humble enough to receive it, says James in brackets and Amplified. Okay. No one, Lord, I do not condemn you either. Go on your way and sin no more. Now people think, oh, no, well, that's putting her back under the law. Hey, he's the creator God. He said, let there be light. Boom, there was light. He didn't say let there be light and now creation has to figure out how to bring light. There was power in the word. Let there be light. And there was light. So this creator God spoke into her life. And he said, I set you free from sin. You are forgiven. Now, go and sin no more. Breathed life into her life. And he gave her for the first time in, in her life the power to live free from sin. What a word. Go and sin no more. Okay. And from there on she followed him. All the days of her life. Okay? That is just such a powerful thing to see who he is. Okay. So I want to, let's quickly jump to Matthew 9. What's the time? Oh my goodness. Okay. So let's just, oh man. Let's just read. Something out of Matthew 9, you can see something of who Jesus is. This, you can go read all the miracles. And then also the miracles of the apostles in the book of Acts. You also see Jesus and his nature and his character. Okay. Matthew 9 says, Jesus getting into boat crossed to the other side and came to his own town, Capernaum. And behold, they brought to him a man paralyzed, prostrated by illness, lying on a sleeping pad. When Jesus saw their faith, so he... Jesus is attracted to faith, man. He said to the paralyzed man, Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven and the penalty remitted. So, what happened to the guys in Acts chapter 10 when they heard? Boom. Forgiveness. And the Holy Ghost fell on him. The Holy Spirit is attracted to faith. So they heard and they must have believed. Because they heard something. Okay? So faith comes by hearing. So here's this person. Jesus saw faith. So they somewhere must have seen something or heard something because Jesus also said, if you don't see these miracles, you will never believe. So both bring faith. So now it says, uh, 
this is this paralyzed man. When he, uh, when they, he saw their faith, the people that brought him, he said to the paralyzed man, take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven and the penalty remitted. Now see the tree of knowledge of good and evil crowd, the judgment crowd, the law crowd, the Moses crowd. See their response. Behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man blasphemes. He claims the rights and the prerogatives of God. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, yeah, what an awesome man of God. Well, he's God, so he's not, only, he's not a man of God. He is God in the flesh. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil and harbor malice in your hearts? So God thinks that the thought, oh, this guy, he's not doing that criticism. God says it's evil. So if you see miracles, don't go into criticizing mode. God says it's evil. Okay, God will deal with someone who is fake, but you don't criticize miracles. Okay, right? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven and the penalty remitted, or to say, get up and walk. So what's easier to say? So it's very easy for Jesus to forgive sins. Very easy for Jesus to heal their sicknesses. He can't because he has to deny himself to do it. But in order that you may know that the Son of Man, that word literally is Ben Adam, which means it's everyone born out of Adam. That includes you. In order that you may know that the Son of Man, it's, it's not exclusively a title for Jesus. Son of God became uh, a Son of Man so that the sons of men can be a Son of God. He came to give us the power. He says... In order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So you have a right to forgive sins. Go read John chapter 20 and you'll see it. Jesus explicitly gave us the right and the authority to forgive sins. He said, if you forgive sins, they will be forgiven. If you retain them, they will be retained. So that's why it's so important for the church to forgive. For every believer to forgive. If you don't forgive and you hold a grudge against someone, you, you may cause them to, 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 to fail, to fall. We need to forgive people. Okay, It's a question of ministering something to them. In order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins and remit the penalty. He then said to the paralyzed man, get up, pick up your sleeping pad, go to your own house. And he got up and went to his own house. When the crowd saw it, they were struck with fear and awe. And they recognized God. Okay, he came into his own, but his own receives him not. But the crowd saw this is God. But the Pharisees didn't recognize. They didn't see. All the more just trying to kill him. Okay? Praised and thanked him for who had, uh, who had given such power and authority to men. And women, if you believe. It's just, we're men. <laughs> so I'm not into getting women not to preach. No, everyone, he's, everyone needs to preach. Many women of God in the Bible, we need to get over this thing. Verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's office. And he said to him, be my disciple. And he rose up and followed him. And as Jesus was lying in the house, behold, many tax collectors... Especially wicked sinners came and sat 
reclined with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, so don't judge on the outside. He said to his disciples, why does your master eat with tax collectors and preeminently sinful? When Jesus heard it, he, he replied, those who are strong and well have no need of a physician. So do you see there he came to save? Do you see he's defending the tax collectors against the accuser? But those who are weak and sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy that is readiness to, to help those in trouble and not sacrifice and sacrificial victims. God desires mercy. Mercy is compassion or mercy is forgiveness, both. So God desires us to be that one that forgives, to have to, to be so, so full of the spirit that we take on the nature of the son and we forgive and we heal. That's what he wants for us. For I came not to call and invite to repentance the righteous, but the sinners, the erring ones, those who are not free from sin. Then the disciples of John came to Jesus inquiring, why is it that you, the Pharisees fast often? Okay, can the wedding guests mourn while the bridegroom is with him? Okay. I want to say, uh, we're over the time. Let me stop. But I want to say one last thing. The law demands perfect love. Jesus freely gives you perfect love. He fulfilled the law for you so that the law is fulfilled inside you so that you can love. And love is his nature and his character. If we love one another, we learn who he is. We get to, we get to know him. This is 1 John 4. You can read from verse 7, 8, and 9. Okay. So God is love. I wish I had time to speak about that, but that's a sermon on its own. You'll find a lot of that on YouTube on the, in the playlists. Okay, so his love, his forgiveness, his healing, his life, he's merciful, he's kind, and he loves you, and he wants only good things for you. He, know, I, he says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. Not for evil, but for love, peace, and a prosperous future, a good outcome. Jeremiah 29. Okay. So, I mean, I wish we could, we could go on. We can, but I think we should stick to the time. So, bless you guys. Uh, let me just see who else is on here. Uh, hello, Aaron. Bless you. And uh, this Dini and Rob. Bless you, Rob. Always good to see you, man. Uh, bless you. I hope I said it right. Uh, chart bless you chart and uh, there's janine and dini again bless you guys it's good to see all of you watching so i'll see you again tomorrow morning at nine and have an awesome amazing day full of jesus all right it's time to love you and leave you amen which one is it this one bless you